and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going to discuss our first silent film, and also the oldest movie I've ever seen, Safety Last, from 1923, nearly 100 years ago. Before we get started, how was your week? Very short. Um, yes. <laughs> between recordings. Yes, it was short and... Um, Although it's been five days since we recorded. Yeah, I guess so. It mm. just feels like uh, shorter. It's been shorter. But yes, it's actually... Well, compared to the three weeks it was before, right, <laughs> between the, the prior two, yeah. The last time we recorded, we recorded Blood Simple three weeks after we watched the movie. Yeah. It's a rough go, y'all. We yeah. are sorry about that. But I think we did okay. I think we did. It was a it was a great movie with a lot of twists and turns. Mm-hmm. So there were times when you were talking about it going, oh yeah, that happened. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I skipped happens. a bunch of stuff at the beginning, but we went back and fixed it. It's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. This movie, a one hour and thirteen minute mm-hmm. uh, epic <laughs> that we watched yesterday. So yeah. that's we've got a little fresher in our brains today, um, and we are going to be trying to record a bunch all in a row so that when you do inevitably have to go back to the hospital right. for surgery, we have content. Because that's the most important thing. Yes. Content. Uh, so. I want to make sure everyone gets to hear my voice in perpetuum if anything goes wrong. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes, as much. Yes, I'm going to get you to say every word in the English language and then I'm just going to make um, an AI version of you. Oh. It'll be a real Black Mirror episode. That'll be strange. I have stolen that from Black Mirror. It'll be a literal Black Mirror episode. All right, you want to get into this movie? Yes. So, first, let's talk about silent films. Do you watch many silent films? Um, or I, have you watched many I silent have. films? I watched a lot of silent films when I was taking my first film classes. Oh, fair enough. And I was, um, God, that was really interesting because it. Uh, I started with a teacher who recommended all sorts of movies um, based on what he thought their their merits were in terms of uh, filmmaking. And once, very unexpectedly, we wound up watching Birth of a Nation. Oh, God. In the screening room. He did not give us any warning about how offensive that film was. Yeah, I here's the thing I, I know mm. about that movie. It's offensive. But I don't think I really know how how offensive it is. It's about as bad as you can get. Mm, Cool. Cool, Um, cool, cool. So, yeah. That was a real disappointment. There were other films I was really interested in, like The Lost World, Mm. uh, that Willis O'Brien did, and there was some um, really great things, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and watching some of Lon Chaney's old performances and Conrad Veidt. What about the... So there are said to be three great comedians of the silent film mm-hmm. era. Buster Keaton, Charlie right. Chaplin, and Harold Lloyd. Right. This is a Harold Lloyd film. Right. Do you have much experience with the three of them? Yeah, I do. Um, the, uh, I think Buster Keaton is Sherlock Jr. About the film projectionist who fantasizes about jumping into the movie that he's mm. playing. And there's a great scene where he's Falling asleep, I think, the projection booth, and there's a huge screen. He's literally jumping in front of one screen to another, like in front of one background. He's in the same portion of the frame. He's sort of 
like leaping. Okay, yeah. And how they did that, it must have taken weeks um, to edit all together, but it was really impressive. Uh, and uh, and of course, Charlie Chaplin, the kid. The kid, I yes. I watched that one with my kid. And oh, wow, there, there you was, go. Yeah, he, they were really... They all had a gift for expressing things without saying anything. I mean, they had to. That was... Right. And there's some that don't. There are some people who, very plainly, I think, comedy works really well, oddly enough, for silent movies. Yes. Because there are Specific some... kinds of comedy. Right. You know, these are pratfalls and, mm-hmm. and stunts. Pratfalls and stunts. Right. Which is not typically my kind of comedy. I like it better in a silent film excuse me, a silent film context, I mm-hmm. would say. Like, I'm not a Three Stooges right, person. I'm not even really a Monty Python mm-hmm. person. I, You, however, oh, think like, that is hilarious. Not the Three Stooges <laughs> so much, but I love Monty Python, how it's absurdist. Yeah. People say absolutely ridiculous things. Yeah. And the, yeah. But the, the a lot of it, though, is also the physical behaviors that yes. they are doing that you find very funny and I find not as funny. Well, I see where it is funny, but I'll be the one that's sitting in a room where you and your child are hysterically <laughs> laughing and I'll be like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, I'm just not, it, that's not where my, sorry everyone, The there are street races going on outside, apparently. Um, that's not where my funny bone is tickled to the most. But I did enjoy this. And so this particular film has one of the most famous shots mm-hmm. in a from the silent film era. Right. And that is of the boy who is played by Harold Lloyd, mm-hmm. his name in the movie. Harold Lloyd. But mostly he is referred to as boy. And uh, he is a, a besuited man in spectacles and a straw cap hanging from a clock tower 12 right. stories above the ground. And that's a scene that's been duplicated in um, even serious films like 39 Steps, mm. the, the 70s version, and in Back to the Future, the, the hanging from the clock tower. with You, you know, the, that, that scene gets a lot of uh, homage from filmmakers because it is a really weird, spectacular kind of scene. Yes. And... The way it was done here, which we'll discuss later, that was really impressive. Yeah, I think this is probably going to be a fairly short episode just because, like I said, it was a 73-minute movie. Yeah. And not a lot happens. Mm -hmm. I was very vocal through the whole thing. I almost wish we had done, like, a commentary. Yeah. Because that was pretty funny when we were right. <laughs> when we were watching it, or very annoying. I um, dealer's choice. You get, to uh, but it starts. The movie starts with a boy and a girl. Our boy is Harold Lloyd. Our girl is Mildred Davis, Harold Lloyd's real life wife. Mm-hmm. Her name in the movie is Mildred, so you don't get confused, <laughs> and. Uh, They live in Great Bend, which we looked up and is in Kansas, not to be confused with South Bend, Indiana. Mm. And he, uh, we we start the film thinking he may be in jail, but it is a trick. It is a trick. He is at a train station and he is going to leave for New York. He's going to leave for the big city to make his fortune 
so that Mildred can follow him out to the city and they will have a great great and successful life. And uh, he does almost miss that train. (laughs) So we start off with gags, y'all. He gets them. He... He picks up a baby instead of his suitcase, and then in changing that back, the he he gets on what he thinks is the train because he's not looking, but it's actually a milk truck. And then he gets off the milk truck, does run after the train, and does get on it. So he runs very fast, apparently, because he did miss that train, but he does get on it. And then we see that he is in the city living with one roommate whose name is Limpy Bill. So that's problematic. And uh, they have very little money between them. And Harold is spending his dollars on nonsense and lying about it. He buys a $10 or $12 pendant for his lady love to send back. He does write her letters every day. But meanwhile, we see that he cannot pay his rent which is $14 for two weeks. And uh, he is working. Uh, He's a dry goods uh, cashier or dry goods purveyor at Mm -hmm. a a department store. And by dry goods, I mean fabric. He works in the fabric section. That's a dry good. It's not wet. It's dry. And, uh, but he is writing back saying how successful he is and how, it's just a matter of time before he closes these four or five big business deals and then he will be he will send for Mildred and they will live they will be married and they will live forever happily. Meanwhile, he's broke as shit. He does spend he he, he, he we see him on a Saturday. He makes his fifteen dollars for the week. Mm-hmm. A six day work week, by yeah. the way. Fifteen dollars for six days of work. <sighs> yeah, and he, rather than paying his rent, which is $14 for, or was it $14 for two weeks? It was $14 for two, it was a dollar a day. Or buying food, he does buy a chain for that necklace and send it back to Mildred, which does make her mom go, um... Is it such a good idea for him to be so wealthy and alone in the city? You should go to him before he, you know, hooks up with all those tramps or whatever. I don't know what, I think that is the concern. But um, meanwhile, he is not paying his rent. He, there is a very, I like, there's a gag where he and Bill are at home and the landlady comes to see about the rent and they hide themselves under their own coats um, hanging on the wall uh-huh. and just pull, like, tuck themselves up. So yeah, like so they're just a lumpy, lumpy, lumpy fruit bats. That's what it looks like. And then um, there's only one chair in the apartment, and so to get access to that chair, he fakes, Harold fakes a knock, mm-hmm. Bill hangs himself back up, and then Harold does sit down and write himself a letter to his lady love because he does send her a letter every, every day, day, which is also nuts, but that's fine. And so we have a liar. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mentioned to you that when I first saw this, it reminded me of the kind of comedies that were really prevalent when I was a kid. Yeah. Things like I Love Lucy mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, it feels like way, that work episode right. of I Love Lu- of the chocolate episode or one of the one of the famous I Love Lucy episodes right. where she's she makes up an elaborate story and then has to do something really crazy to cover it up. Right. Or because uh, that's constantly what's happening. Yeah, she's she is company. Just straight up lying about his position. Yeah. Well, he has no position at all. And he's not like when um whenever so she like we're saying she comes and visits him. And the minute that she comes and visits him, he just begins yelling at his coworkers because yeah. he thinks that that's what he's supposed to do. He's such a dick. Like, I'm just like, this dude's an asshole. And if I went to the place that my my boyfriend or fiancé worked mm-hmm. and he treated his coworkers or subordinates, right. either one, the way that this dude treats his, I'd be like, oh, no. It's like going on a date and having your date treat the waiter like shit. You're just right. like, oh, no, you're a garbage person and I don't want to have anything to do with you. But that was how you were successful, I guess. I, I guess don't, that's uh, how you, you know, you... I hate to say it's a different time, but uh, I don't know a lot that it's of, that different, there's actually. There's a lot of stuff about this that is a different time. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the the woman who... Gets, yeah, a dollar a day for rent, for right. instance. <laughs> the woman who gets her baby stolen in the beginning of the film. Yes. This okay, so right there, let me just say it is a black woman uh-huh. with a baby in what amounts to like almost like a car seat. It's not yeah. for a car, but it's like a suitcase that you strap your baby onto. Yeah. Um. So you can carry them. It was a it was a pretty cool invention though. But as soon as the black woman came onto the screen with the black baby, I was like, Oh God, what's about to happen? See, and that was <laughs> so so, there's there's a couple of encounters that happened there. There's that one. There's um when the the the, the boy is uh, someone comes in is going to see him and he hides behind an uh, or he pretends to be a mannequin and one of the black clerks who works at a department store like bumps into him or something and then he drops and walks away. So what it is actually yeah okay so. After the train scene and he gets uh-huh. into the city and then we see how he lives on the, on um, one morning, uh-huh. he, he goes into work early every morning. And I, by early, I mean like hours early. Right. Pro tip, if you want to get ahead by getting to work early, you only have to get to work like a little bit before the earliest person. You don't have to be there three hours the before the person who can let you in because nobody knows you're there. You yeah. literally only have to arrive just before the person with the key that lets you in. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you're good. So he is there, and he decides that he is going to take a break by sitting in the back of the of the towel delivery, which I love. But there's uniform delivery now, so this mm-hmm. is a thing. He gets in the back of that dude's truck, and that dude does drive away with him in the truck, and he cannot get out. So he is driven... All the way across town, it takes. It says like he is the longest year of his life. That thirty minutes or something like that. So he is driven away from work, and by the time he is let out, he has ten minutes to get back to work. So then he is trying to get on a a trolley, and it is packed with people. I mean, it looks like one of those Japanese sub subway cars where they like have people who physically push them in. These are people hanging on to people hanging hanging on on the outside. Yeah. Um. He goes to hang on to a guy, but that guy isn't even on there. So the thing pulls away and then he's just like piggybacking some rando in the street. Um, He does get on the the thing and then he like flags to a car to 
give him a ride, mm-hmm. which apparently the car agreed to do. But the car pulls over to wait for him to get off the trolley and stops in front of a fire hydrant. And guys, the rules are the same. same. You can't park in front. And I said, that. I was like, you can't park there. That's illegal. And that dude is ticketed. And then he doesn't want to be helpful anymore. So he, I don't remember exactly how he gets all the way back, Mm -hmm. but then he's trying to sneak into work to make it look like he'd been there since eight. And it is clearly well past eight. And the way that he does that is, yeah, he fakes being a mannequin. His black coworker, like, picks up the mannequin and brings it in. He's he's a big dude. He does just pick him up. And he's wearing, like, a lady's hat and a fur coat. Right. And um, he does get carried in. And then when he feels like it's safe enough or whatever, he just, like, straightens up and drops down. And that dude freaks out and runs away. And then, like, climbs up a ladder and hides because he's just like, "Uh uh-uh. He doesn't want to go back there. And that's funny because in both of those cases, we were talking about how much of, uh, are we going to see a lot of the sort of racism and the, the issues at the time? I felt like the first one, that wasn't necessarily a racist issue that could no. happen to anybody. The and I kind of liked that it was just, it was a mix-up of he picks up her baby instead of his mm-hmm. suitcase and then she right. runs after him and, you know, he gives her baby back and takes the suitcase. It's just clearly just a mother and, and child and right. they put a black woman and baby in the movie and I thought that was cool. I think the, the co-worker, it might be falling a little into the notion that Black people were superstitious. Yeah. Which was part of the thing that they're... Yeah, the way that they had him cowering at the top of Mm. that ladder, I was like, this feels like an emasculation, too. But it felt like a lot less of... I mean, because when I was a kid, uh, my family was very strict. So we never went to the movies when we were little. No. And so I watched a lot of stuff on television, a lot of programs on PBS, and a lot of... And... There were tons of discussions about things like that, you know. Um, that was more of sort of leaning into a stereotype. Yeah. It wasn't, it was using a convenient shorthand that audiences were used to. Mm. Racist shorthand. Racist shorthand, yes. Gotcha. Not as bad as... Like birth- a dog whistle. <laughs> Not as, mad- as bad as like Birth of a Nation. Where you open there's just lynchings on screen. Oh yeah, there's lynchings on screen, and the clan is out to get you, and there's blah blah. blah. Um, The I think that it wasn't as bad. The other one that was kind of racist shorthand was when he goes to a fabric store, and it's run by two uh, Jewish, an elderly Jewish man and his son. Yeah, and but again, it never indulges so much. Oh, and this is when he buys the, the necklace. This is the necklace. It's um, Tiffany's Via, and then it's it's a it's a clear like it's a Silverstein or something. Right. It's a clearly Jewish Silverstein and Sons. Right. And, and I, I could, was like, I could tell the what they were going for because of the old man's hat. Yeah, but the and I didn't see that. I just saw the later piece where that you saw it written down. Yeah. It was you know because because what he tells Mildred is. You know the chain. I didn't like the chain to this. It didn't suit me. So I have, I have a, I have them fixing it or whatever mm-hmm. at, at this other place, and I'll send it along. When really he just could only afford one thing at a time. Right. And please understand that he did hawk their record player or their phonograph or whatever it was right. for that necklace. He couldn't even afford it. 
he was getting rid of one somebody else's thing too because I yeah. don't think that was his. I yeah. think that was Bill's. That was Bill's. Oh, Limpy Bill. Uh, let's talk about Limpy Bill a little bit. Okay. The pal. Everybody has these um, general names and then specifics. So Harold Lloyd is the boy. Mildred Davis is the girl. Bill Struther is the pal. So he goes to um, meet Harold on Harold's uh, short day. Because mm-hmm. uh, they do work six days, that, but Saturday they close at one. Mm-hmm. So he is out at one. But this bitch comes in at one o'clock and wants to look at all of the fabrics and... 45 minutes goes by and he pulls all of these fabrics for her and finally of course she wants the first one that she looked at and he's like uh you're the worst bitch and then he goes to cut her like a yard of the fabric and she's like no 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 just a sample so he's not even going to sell her anything and this bitch has been here for an extra hour and i'm like where is your manager because you don't have keys yeah I'm so someone else has to be here to lock up after you. Um, so Bill has come to have lunch with him. And they're going to hang out that afternoon because uh, it is payday. Uh, and he is outside waiting and he paces around and he goes off kind of on his own and then comes back later. Um, and finally, Harold gets to leave. He does have to sneak out because the woman comes back. <laughs> And he like, like scrunches down. He's very good at walking on all fours. It's this weird crab walk. This crab walk. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Strange. And uh, but he's good at it, and he does it several times in this thing. And then he does go out, and um, he runs into an old friend from Great Bend, mm-hmm. who is now a cop. Right. And uh, so he does say, "Oh, you know, it's great to see you." This that, and the other. Um, and then he goes and runs into Bill, and he says, "Hey." I've got an in with the cops. I could do anything I want and I won't get arrested. And I'm like, well, that is a wild statement to make, first of all. Mm-hmm. This dude was your buddy, but that doesn't mean that he's going to risk right. his job for you. Although you see them roughhousing. They're like, you know, with each yeah. other, shoving each other. So I think he yeah. thinks it's okay. Yeah. And what he does decide to do is such a small thing, mm-hmm. really. Right. Um, so what he says is, um, I'm going to, so he's right over, like this cop over here who's on the phone. He's on a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to kneel down behind him and push him over me and I'll, and I'll smooth it over and it'll be great. Okay. Now he doesn't see it's a different cop. Here. In the meantime, yes, mm-hmm. this cop that he had seen go over to his buddy, right. go over to use this payphone, has switched places with a different cop. So they're just looking at this cop from behind and they, of the same build and whatever, right. and it looks the same. So he doesn't know that he doesn't have an in with this cop. And he does lean down or, you know, bend it. I don't understand this prank, but I don't really understand pranks. So he does kneel down on all fours. And Bill does go up and push this cop over Mm -hmm. Harold. And when Harold sees it's not his buddy, he does just kind of back out of the... Mm -hmm. He backs up and hides in a box. And Bill has to run away. Right. Um, and he does kind of get caught and, uh, or, no, he doesn't. He, 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 he runs away and he climbs. He climbs right. to get out of the way. So there's because, a long extended chase scene, but this becomes now, uh, Bill's cycle. Yes. His arc all through the movie. So, yes. So he is, a, he is now going to be chased because the cop, when he gets, finally gets away, mm-hmm. enough for the cop is not going to chase after him anymore. He says, if I see you again, I'm going to pinch you. Mm-hmm. So Bill now has to look at, be on the lookout for this cop. Right. Bill, uh, I, I, uh, Bill 
is played by a man named Bill Struther because, hey, guys, they don't have character names. That's just not a thing that they do. I don't know if that's a silent film thing. No, it isn't because Charlie Chaplin had characters Mm. that had other names. But in this case, the three mains are called what they're called. And so his name is Bill Struther, and he is a human fly. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. actor did this. He apparently was a steeplejack, which is a long-lost profession. Yes, yes, indeed. And for real reasons, it's very dangerous. Super dangerous, yeah. So um, he does climb up and out of the way. And then, you know, when he and Harold hook up later, he's like, well, that was nothing. I've, I've, cl- I've climbed, you know, 12, yeah. 12 15 stories like what I do. Right. Um, y'all hold on to that because that's coming back. Uh, and then uh, he does send that other necklace back by spending his entire week's salary yeah. on a chain for the necklace, which is stupid. He's worse with money than I am, and I'm terrible with money. And that's when Mildred is like, um, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go into the city and get him. And she does show up at his job, at Mm -hmm. which point he just does start lying out his ass. He lies about his profession. He lies about his position. He treats his co-workers like straight-up garbage to the point where he gets a written, like a Mm write-up while on like in the 20-minute period that she is there. He is like just torpedoing his whole situation. Right. He does she thinks he's the general manager so they do sneak into the general manager's office right. at one point and This she, is after the general manager chastises him. Chastises him. Of, for the behavior. Right. Because you can't well first of all he gets chastised because um, shirt sleeves. The, the day that this happens yeah. They're having some sort of tag sale or something, and it is chaos. And women are six deep at the counter, Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, tearing things out of each other's hands and pulling things off of him. Like, he's getting, you know, manhandled. Like, And so, yeah, he took his jacket off, and he is disheveled, and they are like, you need to go fix your face. Because you look a mess and you cannot represent the store like this. And then, of course, the man that stays behind to cover the area where mm-hmm. he, when he, well, he goes and does that and gets yelled at, um, does see, oh no, I'm about the same thing's gonna You're happen right. to me. Like the same thing's gonna happen to me because women, we're the worst. Uh, and, but then Mildred does show up and so he has to sort of capitulate to her. She wants to see his office. He shows her his office. He, she leaves his purse in there, so she he's got to go back, which is a good thing for him, sort of. So there's a, a whole series of, like, at one point, the two of them are in the general manager's office, and someone comes in, mm-hmm. and he puts up, a, like, a newspaper or something in front of his face right. and just barks orders at them or whatever in the to to you know cover the fact that he is definitely not supposed to be the one sitting in that chair and if he got caught in that chair it's going to be a problem so they get out of there but then she's left their purse behind so he has to find a reason to go back into that office where he has already been yelled at once today and is definitely going to be in trouble again because why is this woman's purse in here why were you in here 
Like there's, and you could see him outside of the office door. Like, what the fuck am I going to say? And I'm like, stop lying. It doesn't, you're not good at it. <laughs> and, uh, he, he does overhear the general manager saying to somebody on staff that he would give a thousand dollars to anybody who could bring hundreds of people to the store. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, this is my moment. He just bursts in and is like, did I hear you say a thousand dollars? And then at while well, he's, he's making this whole speech to the boss. He is also picking up his girlfriend's purse surreptitiously. And, um, he's like, I have, I know a mystery man who can, who's a human fly and he can scale up the building. So if you, if we publicize this, he'll be here noon tomorrow and, um, and he'll climb the, the building and like, you'll get all of these people to show up. Right. And y'all, this is real. Like, this is a thing that happened mm-hmm. where people would go oh, yeah. to watch yeah. men usually, but also sometimes women. Climb shit. That was well, when you think entertainment. About, <laughs> when you think about people like the old school magi- magicians, musicians, mm-hmm. uh, magicians like Harry Houdini. Yeah. And basically, they attracted a crowd by going to a public place, a public square, mm-hmm. and doing something just sort of outrageous like that. Um, I can't imagine what would happen if you saw the guy slip. You know, That's the thing. I'm like, you are going to watch somebody die. If this goes wrong. If this goes wrong. And there's a very good possibility that this is going to go wrong. Like, ooh. Yeah. It's so scary. I'm just like, uh-uh. If there's a possibility that I'm going to watch somebody eat it, right. like for real, for real, I'm not doing that um but this is i mean people went to hangings so that's true you know and that's when you know yeah you know someone's gonna die there's a definite and people would bring a picnic so people people are the worst how bad entertainment is nowadays how vulgar how coarse, how violent. Like, there was a time when people... There was gladiator. Right. Gladiator. Like, there were children dressed up as sheep and set upon by wolves. That was we entertaining. We are going to get back to that, y'all. This feels like... I just saw that there's something called Extreme American... America, America's Got Talent Extreme or something. And I'm like, oh, God, what? we're getting so close to just watching people die on television again, you know, it feels like a running man situation. It yeah. feels we're uh, we're getting naked and afraid. These are the things that make me think that at some point it's so scary. It's, yeah. Um so he enlists Bill. He says, "Hey Bill, would you take uh, would you climb the building f- which is 12 stories for t- uh, $500?" And He's like, for $500, I'd climb to the moon or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. Because, y'all, $500 is enough to buy a house Yeah, back then. In, in 1923. Or 22. Mm-hmm. This is actually, his paycheck is dated June of 1922. I was like, oh, God, this movie is 100 years old. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, 
And I was like, well, that's not a bad split. Now, technically, I think he should take a 10% split to be his manager mm-hmm. or agent or whatever. Right. But we'll call it a finder's fee, and he's going to split it 50-50 with Bill. And I'm like, that's pretty good. That's That gets both of them really right. far ahead. Like, that's like... That's life-changing money at this in this period of time. This is like fifty thousand dollars. That's like it's a lot of money. Yeah. So they set about, and that's what's going to happen. Then, and he says, Mildred, we can be married tomorrow. It'll be great. He's going to get his thousand dollars, five hundred dollars, and he's going to be able to marry her. He's going to mm-hmm. get out of this shitty apartment. It's going to be awesome. Um, weirdly, also as he comes out, he hears two women talking, and one of them says, "Oh, send your car home. I'm happy to take you to the club." Since they were going mm-hmm. to the same place. And so he has stopped to say to tell the chauffeur to just go ahead and leave. So he does take Mildred out and say and tells the chauffeur, take this young lady to her to her to her her hotel and now you're off for the day. And I'm like right. just everything really does lean in this motherfucker's favor. Well he, he takes he advantage takes of it. himself He's an opportunist. So many holes right. and they don't they do swallow him eventually, but like he also just has a lot of things break for him in the right way. Yeah. I want to be very clear. Uh, I think his character is an asshole. I'm not, I don't think Harold Lloyd is an asshole. I yeah. literally know nothing about him. But the character created in this thing, I'm just like, fuck this guy. Uh, he just never stops lying. He just, ref- and I'm just like, this is not, this doesn't bode well for their. Their the relationship, right. like their whole life relationship. Although I get the sense, looking at him by the end of the film, that he has the ability to learn his lesson. I mean, I it's going to be hard. The way he learns this one is terrifying. But I think that you know, this might be less a thing in the future. His constant, I would hope so. Yeah, for 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 all of their sakes. Right. <laughs> So the next day, so they the the crowd is gathered the next day, and Bill shows up, and they're ready to do it, except for one thing, and that one thing is the law, the cop that is out to pinch Bill, mm-hmm. has shown up because he had seen these flyers, and he's like, "Well, he got showed the flyer by a drunk." Oh, that's right. And there is a there is a drunk on the street that is really exaggerated drunk. Yes, and um, he shows up and he, there's a a flyer. He finds it, shows it to the cop, and says, "Hey, look!" Because they blotted out Bill's face. In this, that's right. It was a mystery man. And so he's like, "Hey, look! They ran out of ink." Ha ha ha! Whatever. So when the cop sees it, he remembers Bill. And thinks of his face there, yeah. so he wants to go see it. This is the same guy. This is the same guy, so he can building. pinch him. So Bill is like, ooh, I can't. You've got to, here's what we're going to do then. You've got to climb the first story, and then you'll slip inside on the second floor, mm-hmm. and I'll just come out, and then I'll go the rest of the way. Nobody will know right. the difference. And I was like, I mean, uh, he says, I'll put on your hat and jacket, and nobody yeah. will know the and I'm like, well, you're totally a different shape. But okay, that's fine. That is the plan. And that continues to be the plan for one more floor, for one more floor, right. for one more floor. So Harold goes in and is like, so the mystery man is me. I wanted it to be a surprise. I'm going to do it. And he he starts up and he gets to the first level and he's like, okay, this is a, f- I'm not going to say it's an easy building to climb. I mm-hmm. could not climb this building, but there are hand and foot holds. Right. 
in re at reasonable distances all the way up the face of this building. So there's that. Yeah. So he gets up to the first, uh, second floor, which is, there's a big ledge there. So he's like standing there. People are cheering him on. There's a bunch of people in the windows. But the cop is on to Bill, has seen him, and is chasing him up the building. Right. And that is what continues to happen. Meet me one more floor up. I'm going to lose this cop. And I'm like, you're not. Okay, first of all, you're not going to lose this cop because this cop now knows you're in this building going up. There, he's he's mm. going to catch up with you. That's what's going to happen. And he's he's also, not just going to leave. The, so. What I like about, and it's like the last 20 minutes of the movie almost. Yeah. Is that every floor it seems they go up, there's another gag. There's another gag. So you know, there a, is a mouse at one point that right. gets into his pants. There is a kid that throws some peanuts out a window and they land on him and then he gets accosted by pigeons. Right. There is just a bunch of looky-loos that are like, um, some of them are like, you should get down. Don't you know you could get hurt? And then some of them are like, keep going, keep going. Um, and, but it's just a one, one story at a time. I'll catch you up there. And I'm, as I'm go, as he's going, I'm like, that's $50 less for Bill. That's $50 less for Bill. <laughs> like Bill's cut is getting so small and he's, and, but he just keeps going, you keep going up. I'll see you up there. And, and I'm just like, he's not gonna. Then he gets, does get up, not all the way to the top. I think that it's about 10 stories up mm -hmm. where the clock is on the corner of this building because he has been going up the corner at this point, which we both said that's the yeah, way that's to do nice, it. That's nice the way smart to way to do it. The downside to a corner is you've got two two directions where wind could be coming from. Yeah. The upside to the corner is it, it, it's you don't have to spread yourself so f it's not flat. You can kind of hug the side mm -hmm. as well as have your hand and feet inside of the little notches. Um, but he does he does hang off that clock and it does the whole face does come down. He gets around it and then ends up falling down and sort of on top of that opening mm -hmm. of the face. And I'm like, oh I wouldn't trust that with your weight on there. Like I, it was not designed for for that. <laughs> and you will die if you fall. He gets almost all the way up to the top. He just has to pop over the little ledge and he and at this point is when he sees Mildred who has come to the store to meet him so that they can go get married. So she is wearing a wedding dress. I mean it's a 1920s wedding dress. It's a cocktail length white dress right. and she sees that it is him on the ledge and so she does go up to the top to try and tell him to be careful using the stairs of course using the stairs yes the inside they, she goes up the uh, the normal human way not the human fly way <laughs> and you know while she's trying to tell him to be careful of that weather vane that weather vane does bean him and he does almost fall and then of course he does that little dance sort of jig of I've been hit in the head, and so I am un I'm, you know, knocked off balance. And so, but as he's doing that little dance, of course, he is also maneuvering his leg into a knotted rope, so that when he falls, he does pendulum swing. And I, once again, this is another thing. They're just ropes. Yeah. They're just puddles of rope. 
randomly about. Well, I think that was supposed to be connected. Yeah, there's there's some things that are. I think, where I'm just like, well, that's convenient. I think it was supposed to be for the flagpole or something. Maybe, yeah. And um, but there's yeah, there's stuff that there's no clear reason why it's why there. it's there other than to affect this mm-hmm. visual gag, right? And to give him something to yeah, yeah. Uh, harness himself with at various points, which good, fine, because he was up there. Yeah, that's the thing, like. You see long shots of his body and his face. We see him on... And in 1923, there was not green screen. That was not a thing Mm -hmm. that could happen. Um, My thought when we were watching was that when when I was thinking, how did he do this? Oh, he does end up flipping over onto the the roof and Mildred is there waiting for him and they do kiss and then they do walk off and they are going to go get married and he is going to get all of those thousand dollars and Bill is going to get none of those thousand dollars. Bill's probably still running from that car. Bill is, did also reach the roof and he is running across the skyline right. away from this cop. So who knows if we're ever going to see Bill again or if he's going to get pinched. Maybe he'll use some of his money to bail Bill out. That would be nice. It is just let him get pinched and then mm-hmm. just bail him out. Like this... He can't live on the lamb like this. This is crazy. <laughs> so, what was I saying? Oh, how did they do it is the, was the question. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So what you said was, and he was extra handicapped? Right. So Harold <sighs> Lloyd had, um, did a lot of physical stunts. Yes. And you can see a lot of this he's done yes. himself, the, the crab walk and all the mm-hmm. weird. He had, uh, he was working for... Pratt Falls. He's very good at a Pratt Falls. Right. Yeah. He was working for Max Sennett Studios, who did the Keystone Cop things. I think that's where he took a picture with uh, what he thought was a, a fake explosive. Yeah. He... And he was lighting it to his uh, cigar, or lighting, he used his cigar to light it. Yeah, he thought and it was a it, fake explosive. It's, was it real enough to blow up and take his thumb and his index finger with it? Yes, on his right hand. Yeah, and his it thumb also, and index finger on his right hand were blown off in 1919, which is three years before this yeah. movie was made. So he, um, throughout this the rest of his career, and in this film, he's wearing a prosthetic glove. Yeah, I didn't notice it. I didn't know yeah. to look for it, so I wasn't looking for it. Well, he's it. also doing so much with his face and his body language. I mean, that you're yeah. not really looking at his yeah. hand. To me, the fact that he did as much as he did was incredible. I think um, his partner, what's his name? Uh, Bill? Bill. Actually doubled for him in some long shots, I think, is what the story is. So they, they after Lloyd's death in 71, so he had said, and this is what I thought might be happening, mm-hmm. that they set up a platform one right. to two to three stories below where he was currently filming. Mm-hmm covered in mattresses so if he fell that's how far he fell he could have still been da- you right. know injured but he wouldn't have been dead off of a 12-story drop right and actually i think my favorite gag in the all of the levels uh-huh. wasn't the clock gag or the wind vane gag he is uh, there's a levered window that uh-huh. bill opens and it like picks harold up right. on the top of it and so he, Bill's coming out the bottom and Harold's going in the top. And I really like that visual. Yeah. I thought that was very funny. But so in 1971, that was the story. There mm. was this platform of mattresses. And that was what I thought. I was like, they put like a, you know, a, a net or something right yeah. below where they're filming to give him a little bit of a safety valve. Um, and, but in 1971, they... It was released after he died. It was released that 
that whole sequence was shot with quote the assistance of stunt people mm-hmm. or of a stunt man but what that means is unclear because in several of the shots you can clearly see that it is him and his yeah. face and his body it's, and then there are other shots where it's like that yeah, I could see there's a There's some shots where you're looking almost from the top of the, the building and you see him crawling up the side. And then the other, the scenes with Harold Lloyd, to his credit, there seems to be about two stories in the whole scope so you get the sense that he's fairly high off of something. Yes. And he, as he further goes up the side of the building, you're like, oh, wow, he could fall off of that. You know, he could get hurt from there. But um, I think... I think it was Harv Perry was one of the other stuntmen that might have worked with him. Yeah, it was a really impressive scene. So yeah, it was an impressive scene, and all of the gags, all of the yeah. pieces where it was a pigeons, or it was mm-hmm. a him getting pushed off, you know, talked to by these different people, right. or moved up the thing, or the weather vane thing, or the clock thing. These are all clearly him. Like it's clearly that. And there actor. were people that I like how they cut to the director cuts to the the bystanders on the ground who are yelling encouragement and then yeah. cutting to his uh, his wife-to-be who's <gasps> yelling, stop, Sean, don't stop. do it. I love you. Even though everything you've said to me is a lie, but I still don't know that because you're still actively lying to me. Yeah. Right he, now. That's the only thing that maybe my, um, my puritanical nature uh, has a little problem with. At the end, he never confesses to her that this is all nonsense. I have to presume... That that's what he's telling her as they're walking off of the oh, okay. roof. Because he's going to quit that job. Right. Right? With $1,000 in his pocket, he's not going to... He shouldn't have to work there. Go back to yeah. work at that level at that store. And also, I'm pretty sure his ass is going to get fired for the way that he acted yesterday. Like, right. they didn't seem to have a lot of tolerance for him. He was just, you know, a stock... Like a a clerk. Yeah. Like he's a dry goods clerk. He's not a manager. He's not even the floor manager. And he's certainly not the general manager. Also, I love that just she has no idea how the hierarchy of a store works when she would think that he'd been there for, what, a month? Right. Or whatever, and was the general manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they do refer to him as the boy, presuming that he is 20. Mm-hmm. 18 even. Right. He's almost 30 when they record this movie or film this movie. I mean, the pancake makeup and the dark lips. Ooh, silent movies, y'all. <laughs> there were some makeup choices, and I understand why, but it is a little bit alarming to watch, to just see all of their faces and the white pancake makeup is... um pretty funny to me but so that's that's it yeah they live happily ever after i guess so bill aside from the character what did you think of his performance oh i I mean it's hard for me to judge a performance like this because Mm -hmm. this is the first silent film i've ever seen his performance is great because i can't hear the words that he is saying but i do understand what is happening so that's a good performance he did a lot of great face acting yeah, he has to because yeah. no words. And that's that's the difference between him and maybe Buster Keaton, who was famous for just being almost utterly expressionless no matter what was happening. Oh, really? So he's almost like a canvas for you to put something well, on to? Yeah, he, uh, his nickname was The Great Stone Face. 
Wow. So even I didn't if, know that, yeah. if stuff is going on all around him, if cars are crashing into whatever, he just is completely like, expressionless. He has a great, um, not even pout. I'm trying to think of the, the word. He sort of has a half frown on his face. Mm-hmm. He's really very good. Harold Lloyd does this. And of course, Charlie Chaplin has a host of different expressions. This was the first Harold Lloyd film I saw years ago. And I've looked up a couple of them since then because it's very, he, he's very good. And his physical comedy is amazing, especially considering that he doesn't have half of one of his hands. Yeah, didn't let him stop him. Mm-hmm. And when you said that, I was like, oh, is it congenital? Because I feel like given 30 years to, to deal with that right. and, and knowing no difference, mm-hmm. then it's almost not, I mean, it's a disability, but right. it, there's nothing that he would have been able not been able to do but the fact that it was only three years before is pretty remarkable because you know where all of the strength in my right hand is the thumb and in fourth and index finger there's there's not these are basically useless so i don't yeah it was was impressive especially if i'm gonna climb up the side of a building which y'all i'm not gonna do was it thrilling I th- especially the ending of that film was thrilling. Even knowing that I'd seen it before, it's like, yeah, I've forgotten how really well constructed the end of that is. Because there's like an impediment at, or an encounter that he has on every floor. And then there's the nearly stumbling off the roof and hanging off the flagpole and the flagpole breaks. and Yeah, it's almost like a setup for every action movie that you see nowadays. Yeah. And it is set piece, set piece, set piece. Mm-hmm. It's just... The whole back end is one big set piece at different levels. Right. Yeah. Was it thrilling to you? Yes. I enjoyed it. Like I said, though, I was like, this dude's the worst. But I watch a lot of things where this dude's the worst. Uh-huh. So it's that that's fine. But I was like, as we were watching, I was like, come on. What's your, you, all you have to do to prevent these bad things that, from happening to you is not lie about things. Like, you could just not. Lie about things, but okay. Be a liar. Keep lying. I'm sure this is going to work out super good. And it turns out he made $1,000. He's good. He's set for life. So, I don't know. Maybe what I should be saying is everybody start lying more. Do it. I doubt that'll work for everyone. Um. Okay. So, that brings us to the end of this episode. And um, next week, Mm -hmm. we are going to be watching, we're going to return to our roots. Our roots. And our roots are David Lynch nonsense. We are watching Blue Velvet for next week. Uh, Everybody buckle up, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to hate it. But hopefully I don't. Hopefully I don't. I don't think you will. I think that um, the last uh, Twin Peaks, as I said, I loved half of it, and the other half I was being driven crazy by. You know, the teenagers who were interfering and getting people killed by accident, the storylines that led to nowhere. Um, but this film is... Every all- time I've ever finished a David Lynch movie, I've been left going, why did I just do that for two hours? But this is fairly straightforward. Okay, it is. It is. There aren't it's, just random characters um, and side things where you're like, I think I'm in a pocket dimension now. Well, you're going <laughs> to feel like you're in a pocket dimension, but <laughs> the thing is that things come to a, a resolution. It's not okay. this sort of, you know, lost highway. 
that was a movie where I was. See, that's the one I was thinking yeah. of particularly, where I was like, w- I thought we were in our world, in yes. our universe, but part of this clearly is not, yeah. with no indication before or after what the fuck it was. Right. And that is jarring to me. <laughs> and and so was, um, there's like no internal logic to David Lynch stuff. That's my thing, where I'm just like, or there is, but he hasn't told us what it is. Yeah, um, what was that? The uh, Mulholland uh, Drive. Mulholland Drive, yeah. Which I've only ever seen, I think, Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway, and both of them left me ooh, unhappy. I think I, I, I didn't like, well, Lost Highway I liked parts of, but I didn't like the, I have no idea what the film's about. Mulholland Drive, I got. But he puts in the scene at the end of the film, which is explains everything, but in such metaphorical terms that you're like, wait, oh, you have to really think about it to get what this means. Um, but uh, but yeah, Blue Velvet is more of a straightforward kind of film noir. Okay. I'm seeing a lot of those. Uh, yeah. yeah, apparently, film noir is the the name of the day. So that's good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I have seen one scene, one scene of Blue Velvet, in my abnormal psychology class. Oh, I so can see that is. That's um the extent, and that was the first thing I ever saw of a David Lynch anything was. Wow. In my abnormal psychology class, one of the best classes I took in college. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Did get a very good grade in it. I bet you did. Um, and uh, yeah, that was how I finished up my psychology minor with David Lynch. So we're we're heading back. We're heading back to our roots because the first thing we ever did was Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. and we're heading back to my roots because the first Lynch I ever saw was this eight. One scene. I'm like, it was like a minute long. I don't even remember which scene it was. I wonder when when we watch it if I will be able to pick it out. But I will let you know. Okay. So until next week, do you have anything you would like to recommend to Um, anyone? In the meantime. Anything I'd like to recommend to anyone in the meantime. I know. We haven't really been watching. I haven't really been watching anything. Yeah, it's... um. I've been recovering, yes. like we've been talking about. So sometimes I watch something for an hour and then drift off to sleep. So. Yes, well, last night we watched half of a movie that I'm enjoying very much, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen the last half, right. and that was Army of Thieves. Right. Um, and then the other night, without my other roommate, I watched half of uh, Spencer, the movie about Diana Spencer. Um, oh, you've only watched half of that, yeah. too? So it's so like, far so good. So far so good. She, I liked the opening scene of that. Really good. Kristen I mean, Stewart is amazing, and I, I, we loved her when she was in Panic Room. Right, but I, the difference between her persona and the persona that she's playing, and how you can see that she's constantly trying to maintain in front of all of these people who yes. do not like her. Yes. She's doing a great... And I think that Diana was fairly um, reserved as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... But that's a good performance. Yeah. The film that we saw last night was uh, on Netflix was really good. I started watching Ammonite. Oh, yeah. I want to see that too. Um, which is... I 
it's a there's a really it's good a lesbian period piece. <laughs> See, and that, that's the thing. And it stars two of my favorite actresses, Kate Winslet and uh, Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse, I couldn't remember who the other person was. And um, I really, it's it, the reason what attracted me to it was uh, Kate Winslet is playing Mary Anning. Yes. And Mary Anning is a legend in the paleontological world. She lived in Lyme Regis. When she was 12 years old, she discovers the ichthyosaur. Mm. And then she discovers other prehistoric animals that were... She's like your hero. Right. And so when I was a kid, it's like, I want to discover an ichthyosaur. Um, but this is about her in her later years. And she's living alone with her mother and eking by a living, uh, selling curiosities and things and occasionally finding another fossil. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she's asked to by a complete stranger, uh, a man who um, uh, sort of like studied under her for a minute uh, to take care of his wife because she's extremely nervous and anxious. Ugh. And, and the sea air will do her good, yes. as they said, and so often they, in the they, 18 and 1900, early 1900s. Uh, she and Mary Anning fall into a relationship. And at first I was a little apprehensive because... I don't know if... Um, There's no historical record that she was a lesbian. No. Yeah, so, although she was probably a lesbian. But see, the, uh, There's a lot of historical records right. that where people are like, look at how wh- how close these lady friends were, nude in bed together, just taking a nap. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, that's, yep, clearly the only thing that could possibly be going on. I mean, there are thousands mm-hmm. of instances of art and right. and and poetry and letters where they're like they wrote letters back and forth to each other for 45 years what great friends and i'm like well, y'all <laughs> I, it's, I i don't i guess my only problem is unless maybe she was you know you know ace that was the that's the other right. option or a romantic or you know my is that it's one thing to because I don't, obviously it doesn't matter to me if she was a lesbian or not. No. But. And it doesn't matter the work? It doesn't. Yeah, no, know. but I think what it does matter, when it does matter, is when you have young people looking up to her as a hero of their own, representing them. That's the thing. And it's it's it turns important out, to lesbians now. Right. Or queer people now. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she was queer. Right. Or whether or not they could look at her as. Because, yes, anybody can do anything, mm-hmm. but it is easier to believe that you yourself can do something if you can see somebody who right. looks like you having done it before you. Right, and especially back then with all the... Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, wow, I didn't know that she was. That's really amazing. And then I read, wait, no, it, it it starts on a not a false premise, but an unproven premise. Unproven pre- premise. She is just... It is a speculative work of yes. historical fiction of of histor of if history it is it is possible fiction right but that having been said it's really beautiful to look at yeah they always are yeah <laughs> they always are so, <laughs> so. Yeah. i'll get around to finishing that one at some point but so you've got well. three halves of movies to yes. watch nice um i found my new favorite show oh okay. i've watched two episodes of it y'all and I'm going to fall down a rabbit hole that is going to keep me awake until too late at night. I can already tell. But it'll also help me go to sleep, probably. And it is a Great British Bake Off, but for painters, y'all. Great British Bake Off, but for painters. It is called 
I am watching the version that is called Landscape Artist of the Year 2015. Uh, it's a spinoff of Portrait Artist of the Year that started in 2013. I will go back and watch those, I'm sure. Um, and it's lovely, and they take a bunch of painters out to a bunch of places in the British countryside, and they have them paint a landscape, and then they pick a winner, and then they're all going to paint another landscape later, and then they'll pick a smaller set of winners, and then eventually they'll have a the best landscape painter. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. It's very relaxing. I watched two episodes this morning before work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, that's it's on Amazon Prime. And I'm pretty sure that there are, like, now 12 seasons of this thing that I get to watch. And I'm super excited about it. Uh, So, yeah. But that's my jam. You know, reality competition shows that have to do with creativity or arts or foods. That is my jam. I miss the next great work of our show. Yes, it was like that. It's like that, but different but i maybe i'll put an episode on while you're around and you can mm-hmm. see if you're into it okay at least as a thing that you can tolerate in the background <laughs> so that's what i strive for Tol- you stuff you can tolerate in the background uh when you're working specifically all right i think that brings us to the end today next week blue velvet um i think we're going to have to rent this one We've been lucky because so far the thi- all the things were on HBO Max or we actually ended up watching Safety Last on YouTube Yeah. Uh, because we couldn't get HBO Max to play anything. Super glad we're paying for it. It's awesome. Uh, but I don't see Blue Velvet on any of our services. But it might be on Paramount Plus, so we'll check there. Uh, I'll put it in today's show notes where you can watch Blue Velvet ne- for next week. Watch along with us. I I... Uh, if I can watch a David Lynch movie, you can watch a David Lynch movie. <laughs> or let me do it so you don't have to. That works too. Mm. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast up in the search bar. Uh, and that should have our episodes, but I'm not sure if it does. So you should subscribe so they come directly to your phone on Thursdays. Or your computer. Probably your phone, though. That's how it works, usually. Unlikely you're going to get it on an iPod, but more power to you if you can. Uh, Until next time, I want to remind you to take all of your medicines on the daily. And we would like to remind you, better late than never. never.